Are you not having the success you want with your direct bookings? Perhaps you are tired of feeling like you are out of your depth and wish there was an easier way. Well, I've got an exclusive free training coming up that just might help. Join me on April 4th when I will share the top three mistakes that I consistently see vacation and short-term rental property managers make in their desire for direct bookings that could be costing you major profits. I will also be sharing my top tips in building your own direct booking sales engine that will bring in those direct bookings while you sleep. Come and join in the fun. Head to my website, directbookingsuccess.com, and click on the free training button to join me on April 4th, because you deserve your own direct booking success. This is the Direct Booking Success Podcast, bringing you the information you need to increase your direct bookings. I'm your host, Jen Boyles. As an owner and manager myself, I know how hard it can be to navigate the short-term rental industry. I'm here to help so you too can have direct booking success. Hello and welcome to episode number three of the Direct Booking Success Podcast. Today, I'm going to share with you what I wish I had known when I first started. But first, my backstory. I want to tell you a bit about my story. I grew up in Canada, Vancouver, Canada. My father was a hotel general manager. He is retired now. Worked all over, you know, in Vancouver and up in Lake Louise as well. So I got to see the benefits of working in hospitality. I got to see sort of the, I guess, the glamour, if you will, if you could use that word as a little kid. I got to benefit from the the fancy dinners and getting all gussied up and really enjoyed it. The dinners, the events, they used to have a huge Christmas event with Santa Claus and all the kids from the, from the hotel would come. And we just had really great times, lots of great memories from my childhood because we didn't see my dad you know, it was very long hours and, you know, hospitality, hotels, 24-7. So it wasn't like he was going to be home every night at five o'clock. It really depended on what was going on. And as kids, we didn't realize that. I remember my my brother having a three-piece suit at three years old and we'd go to this resort and they had a live band after dinner and him and I dancing and, oh, we've got pictures but anyway, it was it was good childhood, and I really got to see the fun and the sort of glamorous side of hospitality. My first jobs as a teenager were in one of my dad's hotels. I helped with the mini bars, and I also worked in the laundry room. Now, if that is anything that's going to put you off hospitality, it is being in the laundry room. It was disgusting, especially when we had a fish restaurant that would put all their napkins, you know, in a big plastic bin liner, bin big bag, and leave them over the weekend. Um, you can imagine what that was like on a Monday morning. It was gross. So I think that might have put me off a bit on hospitality. I found out how hard it is to work. You know, the work is, and, and made work is backbreaking. It really is. But it means so much to the business. So that kind of, I think, put me off and my draw was more visual, creative. 
So I went into after school, I went to college and university and did graphic design and marketing and those creative arts. Fast forward quite a few years later, and we were wanting to rent out an apartment we had in the French Alps. Airbnb was quite new. We thought this is going to be quite fun. Let's try it. So we spent a morning putting the pictures and the listing on Airbnb. And that afternoon, while on the ski slopes, my phone was going crazy with bookings. And we thought, hey, there's, there's something into this. You know, this could be quite lucrative. Let's, let's, let's do it. So we did it for a while there. And then fast forward again, we were living in the Netherlands and we sold the apartment and some other properties and bought a chalet in the Austrian Alps. So we went from a small two-bed apartment in a ski village to a large, really luxury five-bed chalet in another ski village in a different part of the Alps. But you could basically ski in, ski out. And there was a a sauna downstairs and a games room, and it really was amazing. And we used to spend months and months there, and I would work from there. I was a digital nomad before that term became popular. I turned one of the, thank goodness for IKEA, I went and turned one of the bedrooms into an office while I was there, and then I would pack up my things when um, when we had it rented out. But what we figured out really quickly when we got there was that every, during the, the ski season in particular, every property was rented out. So B&B, short-term rentals, hotels, all this. And it was really hard to stand out on Airbnb. Here we are thinking that this is an easy thing to do and we're get, the bookings are just going to come through because we've done it before. It's so easy to do. And the penny started to drop when, well, when the bookings first didn't come through, but also when we had previous guests from the other, from the last owner, they started to ring us up and say, hey, we'd like to come back. And this is really when the penny dropped and we realized, okay, there's something in this. People want to come back and they want to book direct with us. So we said, of course, yes. And I then started to put my marketing background into use and built ourselves a website and a social media presence. And we started marketing ourselves for direct bookings. This was before I knew this was a thing. This was just what we wanted to do to stand out. We contacted previous guests and they came. We got great reviews. It really worked well. Now, Personally, I had, it was a time where I had my daughter and she came very prematurely. I was really sick in hospital and she came at 30 weeks and we decided to leave the Netherlands where we had no family and move to Northern Ireland where we did have family. In this move, it made it be very difficult to manage a, a business in Austria. It was just too far away And when our housekeeper and caretaker, a wonderful couple, when they retired, then we realized that was it. We could not sustain that business any longer. We needed a team on the property or close to the property, and we just couldn't find anyone. We limped along for a while, but we just couldn't do it. So we ended up having to sell it. Again, fast forward, and we built a business in Liverpool, which is going strong today, which is the Liverpool boat, decided to do something unique. And at the time there was only, I think, a couple of other boats. There's more now that are being rented out. 
but it is a wide beam canal boat, which is permanently moored at the Liverpool Marina. It's right in the middle of the historic Liverpool docks, which is brilliant. It's perfect for families and we're 90% booked direct. So it is great. We do use the channels when needed because why not? But it is a great business and enjoy doing it. So I learned from my mistakes as I went along. You know, nothing came easy. The only thing that was probably the easiest was when those bookings first came on Airbnb with that first apartment. But Air- Airbnb was new. You know, it, it's not like today where it is so full of properties. So a lot of mistakes here and there, and uh, but a lot of learning. But today I want to tell you about what I wish I had known. Okay. And one of them was to make sure you have a good team close to the property if you can't be there, say within 30 minutes. We found this out the hard way when our caretaker and housekeeper, when they retired and we couldn't replace them, need to have a backup. You need to have people there because they're the ones that you have to turn to in a crisis when something's wrong or maybe something, it's just something very small, but you can't be there. So having that good team close to the property is imperative to your success. Another thing I wish I had known in the very beginning was to build a brand rather than a more heads on bed strategy. And this came to light in with the property in Austria when I ended up creating a brand and that's where it started to work for us in bringing in those direct bookings and also past guests. But the more heads on bed strategy of using the OTAs like Airbnb just wasn't working for us and not something I wanted to to look at any longer. Something else I wish I had known is to learn to shut out the noise from everyone else and keep my eyes on my own business. You know, in the online space, you see people that are doing this and doing that. And you're like, oh, I've got to do that. Or you hear an expert say, this is the new thing. You've got to do this. And this is what's going to work. And you're jumping around all the time. And it has taken a while, but I've really learned to shut out that noise from everyone else and do what I know works. But also to realize when I need help, that I don't have to do everything yourself and you don't have to do everything yourself. You know, there is help available out there when it becomes too much or when you're not sure what the next step will be. So those are two things there. The other thing that I wish I had known is that my vision of direct booking success might not be the same as someone else's, but that is okay because I am building my own business, not someone else's. And the same goes for you. Your vision of direct booking success is what matters for you, your family, and your business. In the next episode, I'll be talking about the Direct Booking Success Summit, which is coming up in September, the 27th to the 29th of September. Thank you for listening to the Direct Booking Success Podcast. For more information about this episode and others, head to the website directbookingsuccess.com. See you next week.